The proof for this is the fact that if you look under a, cert a certain place in the shul, you're going to see a human eyeball. Okay. Why are you going to see a human eyeball? <laughs> because ayin tachas ayin, an eye for an eye. Now we know it doesn't really mean eye for an eye, it means right, him. Right. But in this case, he took out an ayin, a letter ayin, from the Sefer Torah. Oh so God. he paid with his ayin. Oh my and his God. This video is dedicated to Ili Nishmas, Henya Bas Brachad Varalea, Asher Menachem Ben Devera, and Yaakov Yisrael Ben Devera, as well as for Rafua Shlema, a speedy recovery for Avram Neachayim Ben Yehudis. Hey guys, welcome to the Pray Hard, Play Hard YouTube channel and podcast. Whether you're watching or listening, thank you for being here. Uh, we Hopefully you'll find this informative and entertaining. That's right. Uh, welcome back. Smash that like button. It's free. And um, enjoy. Yeah, okay. So what is this week's Parsha? Mishpatim. Mishpatim, correct. And we're just going to do a little summary of the Parsha, right? It starts off with Elaham Mishpatim. These are the laws. It talks mainly about the laws between, uh, between people, right? Between man and his fellow. Mm -hmm. Whether it's, uh, it starts off with talking about the slave, you know, if, if, if somebody has to be sold as a slave because he owes money, how you're supposed to treat him. It talks about damages, about, you know, the laws of, of borrowing, laws of slavery, how somebody be acquires a slave, where they pierce the ear. The piercing of the ear happens only if he wants to stay. Or after the six years of servitude. Right, but it, but it, it talks about... Um, you know, if let's say you're watching someone's property, if you're being paid, if you're not being paid, what are your responsibilities if it gets stolen or lost? Mm -hmm. Or if you're borrowing or if you're renting, you know, all these different... Um... Give me one second. Yeah. <laughs> See, putting the parsha into practice, it says you have to, you have to honor your parents. Even if you're in the middle of a parsha show, you have to pick up the phone when your mother calls you. Yeah, you could never ignore your parents. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, so right, all these different laws, right? Um, there's also laws, you know, what's punishable by death, a bunch of different things. And um, you mentions also. Uh, well, speaking of, uh, since we touched up the subject, uh, respect for parents. Mm. Um, it's one of the hardest, hardest, hardest things to do. It's one of the hardest mitzvahs to. Uh, uphold well it's one of the hardest ones because it doesn't matter what they do you still have to respect them exactly <laughs> exactly because at the end of the day they are partners in your creation yeah. just like hashem is a partner in your creation and you never lose that respect or love for him regardless of what happens in your life so the same applies to your parents regardless of right. what happens in your life you could never lose any respect or love for them because they have created you, and they have given you a chance in this world. Right, even when you can't obey them, you have to still do it respectfully. Mm -hmm. uh, also, um, we talked about judges, so they have to judge honestly. Mm -hmm. Also says about when a person, even if your enemy is... Uh, Falling, is, you his, have to go and help him His out. animal, yeah, his animal is, is, you know, it's too much weight, you have to go and help him take off the weight. Mm -hmm. That's actually... Uh, on a deeper level, that means you're 
you're, it's talking about the spirit, the, the, the godly soul and the animal soul. That's when you see the, the animal soul, right? Your, your enemy, when, it's, when you're putting too much a load of a load on it, so you actually have to, you, you don't need to beat yourself up. You're not supposed to beat yourself up. You're supposed to serve God, even including your animal soul. Mm-hmm. So not to, not to, otherwise, you know, anyway, that's a, that's a side thing. It goes to show you, you know, animal cruelty was, was harshly looked down upon by Jews. <laughs> it's actually, um, there's a dispute if it's one of even the seven Noahide laws that you have to refrain from, you right, can't right, cause pain, right. yeah, pain to animals, mm-hmm. even to animals, any living thing. Um, one of the reasons on why we share the animals a certain way, because they can't feel, they're not supposed to feel. Pain, right, and that's why the, the, the knife has to be super sharp, so it doesn't, mm-hmm. yeah, it's mm-hmm. least painful. Um, which is very interesting, if you look at, the, at, at kosher animals, their structure is different than non-kosher animals. And if you were to slaughter the non-kosher animal a certain way, it would actually, it, it, it's, the, the, the positioning is different. Right, right, I heard something like that, that a pig has the main arteries are that are so deep that they're closer to the back of the neck than they are to the front of the neck. So there's really, you're, you could never you, slaughter it, yeah. a pig a right way where, where it wouldn't feel a pain. Yeah, you couldn't do the same thing you could do to the kosher animal. So it was just mind-boggling, you know, to think about it. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's... who could have known that hundreds of years ago? Only the creator. Yeah, well, when we get to, to all the animals that are uh-huh. in the, the parsha, I forget which parsha it is right now, but um, when we get to that part, we'll talk about how of all the animals that were listed that only has one sign, they've never found any other animal. And they never will, right. though they have tried. <laughs> they have definitely tried, unfortunately. Yeah, and, and instead of using all those resources a... and energy into something positive, like finding good cures and things like that, they spent billions of dollars trying to disprove Torah. Yeah, and there's actually a doctor who tried to disprove it. And like, I just saw an article happen to be, and I, in a second I was like, we'll talk about it later. I have to do more research. But in the moment that I, I, in the, I mean, not to brag, but like, it was it was so superficial because in the, the moment he said he had something with with chewing cud and there is an animal that, that uh-huh, does uh-huh. chew his cud. In the moment I had it, just a thought, and I looked it up and I, and I, and it was just as I had thought. It, like he did he did such a superficial study, it was just in order to like knock Torah. But anyway, that's that's for later, and I have to really I want to bring the full full context. It's also not this, this parsha. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then. We, as you can see, we digress a lot, but, you know, uh, for the sake of, of, That's the of, point. of, of learning. <laughs> yeah. It's not your average parsha show. <laughs> um, and then it talks about, um, oh, you have, to, uh, you have to be nice to people who are, who are converts, mm-hmm. right? You, you have to treat them kindly. Unfortunately, people, a lot of times, they, you know, you can treat an outsider Differently and saying no, you cannot do that. Well, the converts fall into the category of, of um, uh, orphans, because once a convert becomes a con- becomes a convert, right, he, he gets is, a new neshama. Yeah, yeah. And his parents are not no his longer. parents anymore. So yeah. his brothers are not his brothers anymore. So he's in the category of. Uh, oh, so that's yeah. And this parish also says that you have to be careful when it comes to an almana, uh-huh. to a widow, and to orphans because mm-hmm. their their cries are, are much. Hashem listens to them because they're, you know, they're, they're in such a vulnerable state. Mm-hmm. Um, now, it, says, it talks about Shemitah, right? Mm-hmm. You work for six years and the seventh year you rest, um, which 
the Jewish people throughout the ages have seen miracles that, you know, the whole point is to know that it's not your own work that brings the blessing, rather God. And, and resting for a whole year and not working the fields is the biggest test of, 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 of God's truth. And, and year after year, the Jews saw how, you know, mm-hmm. even though they didn't work the field somehow, everything was okay. Guys, don't get ahead of yourself. This was only for farmers. All right. That's <laughs> like, it. I'm taking a sabbatical. Yeah. Uh, uh, a being a farmer at that time was not easy. The no, that laws was, that and was rules that appro- what I'm saying is, think, what else did the they make money from? That apply to a farmer when it comes to Judaism. Yeah. There's so many details. Truma, Meister, yeah, yeah. Right, right. There's so much. It's so hard to be a farmer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hundred percent. But I think also that. that the main income of people, they had land, everyone had land, mm-hmm. and everybody would, lived over the fat of the yeah, land. Yeah, they, you know, they, they would sell, buy, plant, whatever. That's where their sustenance came from. Um, then it talks about Shabbos. Again, it mentions Shabbos. Um, yeah, and then it says, you know, not to mention other, other gods and uh, false gods. And it talks about the three Yom and Tevim, mm-hmm. right? Pesach, Shavuos, and Sukkot that we go to... Uh, to Eretz Yisrael, mm-hmm. or to Yerushalayim, and talk about the carbon Pesach, that you can't have chametz when you make the carbon Pesach, and then it talks about bringing the Bikurim, bringing the first of the fruit, we just mentioned farmers in the land, mm-hmm. to bring the first mm-hmm. of their fruit to the Beis to Hashem, and then it says, do not have mixed milk and meat. But wait a minute, wait a minute, going back to the farmers, I believe yeah. the first three years, they would not take any of the... Orla. Right. Or the first three years of trees, specifically. Fruit that, trees, right? Yeah, fruit trees. So those... You cannot benefit from the fruit. They're absolutely... You cannot have... Yeah, nothing at all. They're, they're absolutely off limits. And the beginning of the fruits of the third year, of the fourth year, that's when you... Well, the, you bring it to, to uh, the Bethlehem. first. Yeah, yeah. So my question was not that. The first three years, since you cannot benefit from it, can you leave it to the poor? Or was that not allowed? No, no, no. It's, 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 it's not just us or for you. It is, it's not kosher. Oh, so it was off limits to everyone. Mm. Uh, okay, 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 okay. Yeah. I, I, I just thought just the owner cannot benefit from it. No. But uh, I, Arla I figured... Is, uh, is, is like nobody... You're not allowed to eat Arla. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Um, you are not, but can you... No, can no, you have, no Jew can have okay, Arla. Okay, gotcha. I, don't, I think you might even not, even not be allowed to benefit from it, but... Yeah, I think you can't benefit nothing. nothing, nothing you can't even donate it to non-Jews? You just leave it to, to rot? I think you're supposed to burn it. I don't know. I'm not sure. Okay. I, this is something I don't know about, so please do okay. not. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, don't quote me on that. Um, then it says, now it talks about Eretz Yisrael, about how Hashem is going to send, a, you know, he'll make it, he'll send an angel before us. He's going to make it that we'll be able to go in no problem. And as long as we follow in Hashem's ways, that it will be easy. He's not going to chase them all out at once because then if you have a barren land, then animals are going to inhabit the place. So slowly, slowly, so that way they uninhabit it and then we can inhabit it and then mm-hmm. that way there's no problem with wild animals. It says also that, the, you know, that there will be blessings and, and people won't lose their children. Everyone will be able to have children. Mm-hmm. There will be no miscarriages and the health, the overall health of all, most of the population will be very, very uh, healthy. Right, and it says not to let the, the you know, to not um, allow the idol worshippers to stay because you don't want to be influenced by them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it finishes off by talking about what happened 
by Matam Torah. This is before. So this happened all bef- This happened, even though it's written afterwards, it happened before. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, it talks about how the, the Jewish people got ready for Matam Torah. Moshe Rabbeinu went up, he came back down, gave Hashem's instructions, and then they got ready. And Moshe Rabbeinu goes up for 40 days and 40 nights. Right? That's very, very... Right. Uh, very he, 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 he brought down the Torah in three different uh, um, chapters, no? Well, the first time he, he, went, he came down and he wrote the entire Torah up until Matan Torah. Uh-huh. So the whole story of Rejus and everything and all the laws they learned in Mara, which was right before, mm-hmm. before Matan Torah, they learned a few laws of the Torah. Um, and then it talks about the whole, yeah, how, how the Jews said Nasev and Ishma, the Jews, right, they, they said we're going to, do whatever God says, uh-huh. even if you don't understand it, we'll understand it afterwards. Um, but what was the significance of that? The reason why they said that is because they said because when a person knows what he's doing and why he's doing it, then he expects some sort of a reward for it. Mm. So we said, we don't know what's in there, but we're going to do it just because it pleases Hashem. In other words, we don't even care what the reward is. We're going to do just because it pleases the Hashem. Very interesting. Be- because the Zerah Right. The Zerah explains beautiful. It. Why? Because we acted like angels. Angels do what, the, what Hashem wants because they want to please Him. Not because they right. expect a reward. And so at that moment, we acted like angels. We said, we don't care what, what's inside. We'll do whatever it asks us to do just because we want to please the one that took us out and who we owe everything to. So... This is what pleased Hashem when we said that. Wow, oh, wow, that's uh, that's I never I never knew that. Zerushim mm-hmm. I, I read it just a couple of minutes ago. Zerushim <laughs> Shalom, you're making me want to buy it every every time more and oh, more. Oh man, I have three different versions of it, and I read all three of them, and it's deep. Wow, it's deep. he gives you the same different like different scenarios, but the same concept, but he gives it to you from so many different perspectives. It really lets you see a, a, a clear picture of what have, has happened. And then it gives you modern day uh, stories to, to support all that. And it's just, sometimes I just can't hold myself. Just tears come down. You just can't stop. Wow. It's something else. It really is wow, something Wow, that's incredible. Dude, that's, that's incredible. It's powerful. It really is. <laughs> it's so funny. You know the like emotions you get when you learn Torah. This the, today I was like learning. It was happening for something kind mm-hmm. of funny. I just started to like laugh and like stomp my feet and laugh while I was learning because I was just like so excited. There's, I remember hearing stories when I was a kid, like people like they would learn Torah up to a point where they would just get up and dance. Like there's a certain yeah yeah the, the emotions it you overcomes get, you yeah yeah and you can't control it <laughs> yeah. because the only thing you can do is just wow. I can't believe, I never thought about this. How privileged we are to have all this. Right, and both laughter and dancing and crying, all that thing is, is when it's like a, there's a load that you can't, you can't just stay where you are. Yeah, you can't remain in the condition that you are, in the state that you are. So you have to do something, something has to happen. So either you laugh, you cry, or you dance, whatever it is. Euphoria. Or maybe I, I'm just getting more sentimental with age. <laughs> You're getting soft, man. Okay. So, oh, I wanted to say something before I forget. Um, this, this episode I want to dedicate to, um, first of all, the two sweet children in Israel who uh, passed away and were murdered 
in the, in the, in the terrorist attack. Mm -hmm. I, just, I just watched a little clip of their mother speaking such, such a muna. So, and she wasn't, even, she wasn't even saying, don't try to get revenge, don't try to, you know, don't, like, so, so, such, it made me feel lucky to be a Jew, you know, like that. And uh, I, I, I cried this morning watching that, you know, it was... Yeah. The husband, such cruelty that's yeah, going on in the world. The husband's world. still, the husband's still uh, as the last I heard, he's still fighting for his life, so everyone, you could pause and say a capital till him. Um, you don't have their names, do you? I don't have the names on me, and I actually don't even have my phone on me. But um, maybe we'll post them uh, mm -hmm. after mm -hmm. the video. And also for uh, Shlucha from the Virgin Islands, she just recently, not too long ago, passed away, uh, Henya. I have to, again, find the, find the, the full name, put it up. But um, amazing, amazing people. And uh, this, this show is dedicated, this, this, the Torah that we're going to learn today is dedicated to them. May Mashiach come very soon and Amen. reunite us with Amen. all our loved ones. Um, so, the, 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 the parasha starts saying, Ve'ele ha'mishpatim. And these are the laws that you should put in front of them. So, mm -hmm. first of all, and these are the laws is coming to tell us that it's not that just the Ten Commandments were given at, at Har Sinai, the whole Torah was. That's as a ve'ele, the Ten Commandments and all this mm -hmm. is what you're supposed to give. I mean, it's, don't, don't make the mistake that only the Ten Commandments were given at, at Har Sinai. The entire Torah was given. Mm -hmm. The oral Torah as well is what it means. The oral Torah. Well, no, well, this is written, mm -hmm. but... Don't think that only the Ten Commandments were the entire written Torah as well as the oral Torah, yes. Mm -hmm. Because the written Torah would not make sense if you just take it as it's is. It's a closed book. Right. Without, what, what, without how the do I know what's filling uh -huh. How do I know their dimensions? All the major yeah. points are, are, are it, delivered it, by the it, oral Torah. It needs interpretation and it came with interpretation. Mm -hmm. That's why you can't say it's open to interpretation. No, it came with a specific interpretation. It came with the keys, you understand? Mm -hmm. So, uh, there are certain things in Torah that are open for interpretation, but there are certain things that are written in stone. This is what it is. I wouldn't say open for interpretation, but that have been interpreted with divine mm -hmm. wisdom later on. Mm -hmm. But they're not open for interpretation because every schnook can come along. No, no, no. That's be... not what I meant by opening before interpretation. Right. Because it says that there's 70 different interpretations and yeah, they're yeah, all right in their own way. Yeah. So it depends on which but even that, you're looking at it from. Right. So even that was given... To Moshe on Harsina, this is right. Call Masha Talmud Vasik Asid Lechadish Nitul Moshe Mesinai. Anything that a a truly God-fearing, I'm, I'm paraphrasing him, a, a, a student, in other words, someone you know who's going to learn the Torah later on, whatever he's going to um, expound, whatever he's going to find, that really was given to Moshe Rabbeinu. Meaning, n there's no part of Torah which is really um, detached from the original Torah. Now. Rashi says that Asher Tassim with name. What does it mean you should put it in front of them? Asher Tagidu, Asher Toimu, whatever it is, say that you should teach them. Why does it say to put it in front of them? So Rashi explains that Hashem was telling Moshe, don't think, just tell them the law and that's it. Right? You, when you teach a kid, you can tell a kid something, he'll memorize it, and he can tell you what the halacha is, but he doesn't understand the background. Mm -hmm. So Hashem was saying, put it out like a table set. Make sure they understand the background, they understand the reasoning. Don't just give it to them to memorize. There's a, there's, a, there's a story to illustrate the importance of how, how much, a, 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 to what extent a teacher should teach, should, should toil to, to make their students understand. 
Mm-hmm. There's a story about Rabbi Preda. Rabbi Preda, Rabbi Preda, um, I think it's a story in the Gemara, that he would teach a student. You said, remember, you said 101 times. Mm-hmm. He had a student he needed 400 times mm-hmm. in order to learn, you know, in order to understand. Mm-hmm. And one time he was teaching, he was about to teach him, or he was in the middle of teaching him, I don't know, and they called him to do a Dvar Mitzvah, to do something, it was necessary, it was a Mitzvah to do. And uh, he's teaching his student, and even way past the 400 times, he's not understanding it. So he says, he asks his student, he says, what's, what's different? Manashtana, what, what, what changed? So he says, because every single time you're teaching me, I'm like, oh, he's about to go, he has to go. So the pressure, he seems, oh, I'm not going to be able to, to, to learn. So Rabbi Preda turns to him and he says, I'm not going to go until you understand, until you learn it. Mm-hmm. And, then he, and then he taught it to him until he understood it. And a baskal of heavenly voice comes out and says, what do you prefer, 400 years, to live 400 years, or that your entire generation should have olam haba? And he chose that his entire generation, that him and entire generation should have olam haba, and, and Hashem said, in that case, I'll give you both. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You realize, as a righteous man, for 400 years, the amount of mitzvah, mitzvahs he does, and the amount of people he teaches, the amount of wow, wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's huge. Yeah, and then uh, it actually it explains the, the importance, it explains the responsibility of a teacher. It says a teacher, he has to get a certain amount of sleep. Right? It's not like other, other jobs. You can, you know, you ha- there's a minimum, and it's written in halacha. There's a minimum amount of hours that a teacher has to sleep in order to be there for his students. Otherwise, he's going to be either shorthanded with them, or he's not going to be able to teach them properly. He has a, he has a very, very big um, responsibility. Right. He has an obligation to be ready to teach yeah. 100%. He can't fast. Now, no, none of us can fast. But even when people, no, you know, no, holy people work, were fasting. Of course you can fast. No, I'm saying no. no, no but there was a very big, now, now they don't do it anymore, but it used to be that that very holy people would fast. Mm-hmm. A teacher is not allowed to fast. A teacher cannot fast. He needs to be able to teach. If he's teaching. Yeah. Mean, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and also... Um, he has to be able to give it 100% yeah, with yeah. a student. And he, he can't eat too much because it's going to be too heavy. He has to make himself in the prime physical condition, you know, and mental condition, and, and, and emotional, right, in order to be able to give over to his students to be a good teacher. He goes even further. Mm. If God forbid... You killed someone by accident, and you had to run away to those cities outside the, of of the of the city. You you, you remember they yeah, created yeah. okay. You know that your teacher has to come to you to teach you mm. because you can't come out. Yeah, so I remember he has like to that. come to you to teach you. It's his obligation to do so. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so now it says in general the, the importance. If you see the first halachot that were given. Mm-hmm. Where the halacha, where the first laws were not the halachas of the Beis Hamikdash, not the halachas of the Mishka, nothing, nothing to do with God. Almost all the halachas had to, had to do, very very few had to do with Hashem, you know, of serving God. But but right. most of them had to do between man and his fellow, because mm-hmm. it shows that 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 in order to to live a Torah life properly, there has to be peace. Mm-hmm. So without peace, without law and order. Now, just as people would just take advantage of each other, there wouldn't be peace. And then all the Torah is worth nothing because the whole point is to serve God with, with peace. Right. And a big part of the Torah is just so that we can get along with each other. You know, that's probably one of the interpretations. I, I don't want to say for sure, but, you know, derech eretz just being able to, to, to be in peace, to have, to have civility, that is a 
prerequisite in order to fulfill Torah properly. 100%. You and also, so it shouldn't be a Chilol Hashem. Right, yeah. Right. Well, or a perfect example of all that would be Saddam and Gemara. And the, and the Dora Mabel. Right. You, right? You, you remember what they did. Yeah. If a poor person comes, they wouldn't say no. They would give him a gold coin. But on the gold coin, they would put their own mark. But this, this poor person goes to the market to buy. They see the mark on the gold coin. I can't sell you anything. I'm sorry. You're a stranger. The poor guy dies out of hunger mm. with all the gold in his sack. But he can't eat. That's a special type of So poison. it goes to show you that, yes, supposedly, they gave to the poor. They gave tzedakah. Mm. But what's the point of this tzedakah if you know that it's not going to benefit him? Right. So it goes to show you how rotten they are. Yeah. So the Torah proves to us that you have to be humane and you have to be friendly and you have to have a community and you have to have a set of rules that keeps everybody you know, safe and sound yeah. in order for you to function as a society. Right, 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 yeah. And we see that from the, from the order of the Torah even. Mm-hmm. Now, it's, and it's even more, with, without laws, without justice, the, the world would be destroyed like we see by the Mabel. Yeah, the Mabel was destroyed and also Sulaiman Amara was destroyed. Mm-hmm. Um, and we actually see that, that Zera Avram Ayavi, Hashem says that Avram was my beloved. One of the reasons is because Avram taught, Avram himself brought justice to the world. Mm-hmm. He was a very just person and he taught his children that way. And we see that Yeshua, when he taught the Torah, the last thing he taught about, you know, how to live as a Jew. And the last thing he taught was also about the laws of, 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 of judging favor, you know, properly. Mm-hmm. And from Yeshua until Shmuel, our leaders were called Shoftim, they were called judges. Because again, that is the anchor in order to, to, to be able to receive Torah properly. And then Shmuel came, and not only did he, was he in one place, he actually went around to all the places the Jews lived. And if he was in, in certain places one year, he didn't go back there the next year because he made sure to, to, to teach every single, as many Jews as he ca- could, you know, the, 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 the proper laws of Torah. Mm-hmm. And then David HaMelech, obviously, you know, his, his court was, was he established a very robust um, uh, based in and, and, and system of Sanhedrin, and then Shlomo Melech, he actually the one, of all the things he asked for Hashem, he didn't ask for for uh, for greatness or for riches. He asked to be able to tell truth apart, truth from lies, and be, and Hashem loved that so much that he gave him the, the the highest level of intellect any human being had, and he also gave him riches and everything else, and he was the most affluent king ever. Right, right. He told, he he asked him, "What do you want?" And he says, "Give me the wisdom to judge your children." The best I can. Right. And he, he, Hashem loved what he heard, and he said, You're, "You'll get all that yeah. and more." Yeah. yeah. And and uh, and and the incredible thing is, I just remember this. I don't know all the details, but people when they would come to him and they would say lies, the the animals around him, you know, on his throne and everything, they would come to life and they would yell and they would they would they would right, 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 they right. would intimidate this person until he told the truth. And each step was a different animal. Yeah. So to get to him, you had to go through steps. And depending on which animal would look at you, uh, this animal, ha- different animals have different traits. So therefore, they would see those traits in you, mm. and they would whisper back to him whether it was true or not. Interesting. I never so, knew and that. not only that, do you know that during the Shalom Melech, he was the biggest taxer in the world? Did you know that? Well, I mean, he his reach. But the reason for it, everybody was willingly doing this. Yeah. Everybody was doing this willingly out of the goodness of their heart, and they right. wanted to give more. He said, you can't give more than 20%. Mm. So at his time, he was charging a tax of 20% all around the world. Really? Uh, all around all the uh, um, 
every nation that he had peace with, he was charging 20%. So that because his son wanted to raise it, he raised it. and then it was no, 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 no. What his son did was, at the time after Shlomo Amalek passed away, things weren't going so well. And all these countries said, can you please lower it? Unfortunately, he listened to his friends that he told him, no. "Put a, you know, uh, show him a firm foot. Put down show him who's yeah. the boss." And right. they didn't. But but the Sanhedrin told him. They told him, "What are you doing? This is not the same times. Times are rough. Yeah, you don't need to do all this. Give him a break. Your father just passed away. You just became a new king. Don't charge him so much. Hot let blood, them huh? right. Let them. But this is why it it it, it broke That's the, what, the yeah. whole." Uh, yeah, that's where it nation, went wrong. Right. It, it split the nation. Yeah. But Shlomo Melech was charging all these nations 20% tax because he was building the Beit HaMikdash. Not that he needed it, but the reality is they were all willing to do it because they knew they were doing this for a higher reason, mm -hmm. to build the Beit HaMikdash so everybody could come and pray and everybody could, could make their own sacrifices. Each nation made their own sacrifices for their own nation. I'm talking about the neighboring nations that we were in peace with. Right. Correct. So they they understood what they were doing. As a matter of fact, on Yom Kippur, we pray for other nations. We could do blessings for other nations. Well, no, I mean, no, no, it was a Rosh Hashanah. We say God, you should you know rule over everybody, and that everyone should accept your mm -hmm. yeah, your sovereignty. Wow, wow, wow. Oh, and it says so. We we went a little bit off track, mm -hmm. but but off track is really on track for us. Mm -hmm. You know, off brand <laughs> is on brand for us. But. Um, it says that even in the future, Mashiach, what does it say? Mashiach is going to judge, the, he's going to, to bring justice for the poor. It mm -hmm. says, Tzion b'mishpati pada, that the Geula is going to come. Why? Because of justice. Because, you know, we're, we're following the laws of the Torah and we're, and, and we're you know, we're bringing good and, 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 and uh, proper, proper justice to the world. Mm -hmm. So that's how important it is and that's why it's the first thing. Now, interesting thing, it says, why is there no bracha? Why does a judge not make a bracha? It's a mitzvah. We make a bracha on all the mitzvahs that we can. So why does a, 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 a judge, a person who's you know, laying down the law, why doesn't he make a, a bracha before he gives the verdict? So the answer is because it's not up to him whether it's going to go well or not. It's the whole point of all this justice, the mitzvah is so that the people should be okay together again. And they have to be the ones to, to accept upon themselves the din to accept the law upon themselves happily. So therefore, you can make a bracha on something which is not in your hands. Wow, that's powerful. Yeah. I never actually thought about it, but that's, wow, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's a little tidbit. Mm -hmm. and, um, and then there's some details about how, you know, different, we know that there's uh, certain things that we need to... Um, Certain things that unfortunately a person he's deserving of death by the based in, mm -hmm. but we see that really they would make sure very very careful to make sure that the witnesses were cross examined again and again mm -hmm. and again. And if there was any reason to think they were they were they were Bad, innocent, doubt, uh -huh. then even if they were already on their way to get killed, they would bring them back. Anyway, you know, so so and it says really that uh, they try to avoid death penalty every may, in any means necessary. Yeah, it, says, it says if more than one person was 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 killed in seventy years, that Sanhedrin was, was considered, considered a, cruel. A, a, yeah, like a like a you know a red blood uh, yeah like a cruel a murderous a murderous face you know. Anyway, um, now what are we Though talking such about? Such punishment exists. They try to avoid giving that punishment uh, to 
The, the, that's crazy. It goes to show you how much mercy that Beidin has. Yeah. Or, or tried to have. Meaning, listen, there's, there's the law, mm-hmm. but if you look at, if you examine the law and all the things necessary in order for someone to actually be convicted, it's almost impossible for someone to be in those exact circumstances where they're going to be put to death. It's very, very rare. It's just the way it is. You know? Um, okay. Now, how to catch a thief. It talks about thievery. So we're going to bring a few. Well, it talks about thievery. It talks about what a person has to do if he steals and how he can, you know, what, what he has to pay or how he can, you know, rectify what he's done. So in the Gemara, there are two stories about how thieves were caught. Mm-hmm. The first one has to do with uh, Rabbi Lazar and Rabbi Shimon. He, he saw a certain officer from the king, and his job was to, was to uh, find all the thieves and to deal with them however they dealt with them. Mm-hmm. And he, he was asks an investigator. Him, yeah, okay. he knew what he would, yeah. So, so he asks him, Rabbi Lazar and Rabbi Shimon asks this officer, how do you know that you're getting the right guy? Maybe sometimes you get the wrong guy. Maybe you're putting innocent people in, you know, mm-hmm. and you're putting them in jail or whatever their, their, their mm-hmm. punishment was. So he says, listen, <laughs> what can I do? I, this is my job. The king, uh, you know, I do the best I can. So he says, I'll tell you how. Very, very interesting. He says, go at the 10th hour of the day. That was around when in those days most people ate breakfast. Go to the places where people are eating. You know, um, and look for people who are falling asleep, you know, then they would drink wine mm-hmm. in the middle of their meal. Say, look at someone who's falling asleep with the goblet in his hand. Meaning he's so tired that he's, he, can't, he can't keep his eyes open. Mm-hmm. Now, ask about it. If he's a scholar, a Talmud Chacham, right? Let's say he's someone who, who, uh, who therefore, and therefore he gets up very, very early to study Torah. Okay, that's why he's sleepy. If he's a uh, worker, he works during the day, and he has, maybe he has to wake up really early. You know, you see people who work with, with produce, they wake up also okay, 4, 3, fine. 4 in the morning. And maybe even also he's someone who's, uh, who's an expert at what he does, and he works at night. And even if you don't hear, uh, he, was, he was also telling him the process of elimination. It's very interesting. He was telling him, even if you don't hear noise in his house, it does, you know, he might not be a blacksmith. Maybe he's not working. Maybe he's, he's sewing. Mm-hmm. Sewing is dead quiet. Mm-hmm. So, also that person, you shouldn't su- suspect him. But if he's none of those things and he's still falling asleep, then it must be that he's up at night doing no good. And he's, and he's, and he's, tra- and he's waiting for people you know, to, to, to mm-hmm. take their money from them and he's breaking into homes. And uh, that's probably your guy. And this guy goes back to the king and tells the king, you know, what Rabbi Lazar Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Shimon and Rabbi Lazar said, and they were so sorry. Rabbi Lazar and Rabbi Shimon, mm-hmm. what they, they, he told he, he they told the king what he had said, and he was so impressed that he made him in charge of catching the thieves, and he, he was oh, wow. and, he, and he had a lot of success. And then here's another story which also talks about you know examines people's character. There were the Marzutro was once staying with with a bunch of his students. Um, I believe I'm getting details correct, but uh, the general uh, gist of the story is definitely correct. Um, and the people that they were, they were eating by, the, the owner said that he was missing his uh, silver goblet. Okay. And now he has, to, he has the unpleasant task of finding out which of his students took it. He looks around and he sees that one of his students 
had to dry his hands, and he dried his hands on a garment of someone else that wasn't his. And so he said it must be that this person, he looks like he doesn't have regard for another person's property, and it's probably him. Mm-hmm. And they searched, and it was him. And, he, and it was him. So anyway, just some stories of the wisdom of our Chachamim, wow. how they caught thieves. The Trumas Hadeshen, oh, Trumas Hadeshen writes, I guess, interesting halacha. There were certain places where the, the non-Jews, the, their law was, in order to, like, I guess, punish people who were negligent with fire, that if a, if a fire broke out, they would burn the person whose house the fire started in. Okay. Meaning if that person caused damage to other people, you know, it's a very barbaric law, very, like, mistakes happen. Mm-hmm. But that was the law. So the true position says if a, Jew's fi- if a Jew's house goes on fire on Shabbat and, it, and no one's in there, so no one's life is in danger because of the fire, you're still allowed to put out in those places. Because his life is in danger. Because he could damage other Because it will damage other there. houses and then they're going to burn him. So right. because of any suffolk, any doubt of the person's life might be in danger, you'll have to put out a fire on Shabbos in these places without a question. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, oh, now this is a very, very interesting story. So there's a, there's a, it's known that um, Rabbi, uh, sorry, that, that Ezra HaSefer, he had a Sefer Torah, and it's the most accurate Sefer Torah. That we, you know, there's, there's a lot of history around Ezra HaSefer's Sefer Torah. Wait a minute, and wait a minute, wait a minute. What, what about the Sefer Torahs we have now? Are they not all the same? They are. Okay. But, but the, we'll see that the, the Rambam actually worked very hard, and he traveled long distance just to go to find Ezra HaSefer's Sefer Torah, and he took from there all the big letters, the small letters, the, all the, the differences, and in, 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 in that's what he sourced it upon, because that was the most reliable, meaning that was the one that we all knew that we had no mistakes. Okay. Now, this is an incredible story about the Sefer Torah. So the actor of, the, he wrote but, a Sefer Torah. Hold on, hold on, one second. I'm sorry, I, I had to interrupt. Yeah. A Sefer Torah that has even one minute mistake is not kosher. No? It's, Depends it's what the mistake is. But, but yes, I mean, I, I, well, okay, I take that back. I don't know enough about Sofras. But the point is, people have made mistakes. Right, but that's the reason why Sefer Torah is... is is written in, in, in uh, what's the separate chapters. Yeah, well, the reason why we have such a, why our Sefer Torah is so accurate, because we've kept that tradition. Right. But I'm saying th- this Sefer Torah was, was known to be perfect. Okay. Because Ezra so has Sefer himself, right, right, Ezra okay. has Sefer wrote it. You know what I'm saying? Right, okay. Now, there's a story that the, that the, the after of, called the, the Ayah of Yisrael, uh, he wrote, and he brings in the name of Reb Shira Gaon, at the time of the Gaonim, that there were two brothers who their father had the Sefer Torah and he was also very rich mm-hmm. and he passes away and now the two brothers don't know what to do. Who should get the Sefer Torah? So they went to either a basin or they went to a rub and he said, listen, all you could do is, is draw lots, right? You could do a girl mm-hmm. and whoever gets the Sefer Torah, he gets the Sefer Torah and the other one gets all the riches. Okay. What else can you do, right? How else are you going to decide? everything down the middle. How are you going to split a Sefer Torah down the middle? You don't have to. Share. Uh, who's going to have? No. Who's going to pass it down to his kids? I mean, this potentially down the okay. line. Okay. okay. Listen, that's, okay. <laughs> that's how it works. Okay. So, and so they do it. And one of the brothers, you know, wins the girl. He, he gets a Sefer Torah. The other one, even though he got all the riches, he was like, ah, you know. 
But he accepted it. That's the will of Hashem. You know, that's okay. the Dintera. Now there was, happened to be uh, a, a uh, Meshumad, someone who had given up the Jewish faith. And he, it bothered him so much that this person was willing to take, you know, you know when someone lets go of their Judaism, like they can't handle the holiness of another Jew because they, they know they, they they have this hatred in right, their heart. Right, right, right. It's a very it's a very it's sad. Really, I don't and, know if it's hatred. I, I think it's more jealousy. And the reason but, why I say jealousy is because we as human beings we have a yatara that, that that tells us to do the wrong thing. So if let's say I'm given a test and I failed it and then I see the next person did well with it. I I, I resent I, it. I don't resent him, but I feel some type of way like Wow, it came so easy to him. I can't believe I couldn't do that. But, not but that it, I wish him worse. But don't unfortunately, get me wrong. if we're not honest with ourselves, that can turn to real hatred. And especially in this case, that's what happened. So it bothered him so much that this person is ready to take Torah, a Tzifer Torah, instead of riches. This guy was like, because this guy, he gave up his, his soul for, for riches and honors, whatever it was. He, he, he couldn't rest, so he goes into the shul. But it's one of the commandments. Thou shalt not be jealous. Shkoyach. I don't think he cared much for the commandments. Okay. But anyways, so he, uh, apparently, I mean, obviously, evidently, uh -huh. right? So he goes into the shul where they were keeping the Sefer Torah. I guess they, they didn't uh, discover safes yet. Uh -huh. <laughs> he goes, and he goes into Parshas Mishpatim. It says, It was an ayin. He changes the ayin to an aleph. Now, what does it mean with an aleph? It means to destroy, to obliterate. So, God forbid, not even say the words, you should destroy. Pause, mm -hmm. pause, pause. Mm -hmm. Hashem, your God. Now, eventually, very, very soon after, they find that there's a mistake. So, now what happens? This Sefer Torah, this Sefer Torah, is not a Sefer Torah. Can't be, it has a mistake. Uh huh. And this person, it hurt him very bad. The, the, the son who, who the servitor belonged to, it affected him so much that he became sick, bedridden. And uh, his father came to him in a dream and told him exactly what happened. And he said, and he said, uh, don't worry about it. The proof for this is the fact that if you look under a, cert a certain place in the shul, you're going to see a human eyeball. Okay. Why are you going to see a human eyeball? <laughs> because ayin tachas ayin, in our parsha it says with the, with the slave, if you, if you knock his eye out, you have to give an eye for an eye. Now we know it doesn't really mean eye for an eye, it means right, him. Right. But in this case, he took out an ayin, a letter ayin, from the Sefer Torah. Oh so he God. paid with his ayin. Oh my and his God. ayin fell out. His eye fell out. You're going to see it. And that's going to be the proof that that's what happened. And he said, don't fix the Sefer Torah. Ezra HaSefer himself is going to fix it. And we see later when the Rambam went that he, that he, uh, that, that really? it was fixed. It was fixed. Wow. Yeah. Now the question arises, he brings it in the Sefer. He says, the question. Give me goosebumps, man. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> crazy story, right? So, so the, the, the question arises, how can someone who already passed away fix the Sefer Torah? It has to be done by a living person. Mm -hmm. He's not obligated in mitzvahs. You can't have a, a, a person who already is deceased, who passed, mm -hmm. correct the Sefer Torah. It doesn't count. Mm -hmm. so the answer is very simple. Tzadikim b'misasam kruim chayim. Tzadikim, even in their passing, they're called alive. 
And they're in a whole different category. So much so we see in the Gemara that it says Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi, after he passed away, Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi, he wrote the Mishnayis. Mm-hmm. He was the author, he was the compiler. I mean, he was basically saved the oral Torah in order so that we shouldn't lose it. Mm-hmm. He passes away. Every single Friday night afterwards, he would come home and make Kiddush for his family. After his passing. After his passing, he would come, make it, and then he, I think he, he probably, I think he would sit with him, and whatever it was, and he would, whatever, at some point he would leave. I don't know when exactly. And it only stopped because one of the maidservants happened to have seen by mistake, and she like went all crazy, and, and he said, okay, I, I can't come back anymore. But, wow. Yeah, but we see that he physically, I mean, he did the mitzvah of Kiddush for them. I mean, Kiddush is a mitzvah deiraisa, and yet he was able to, to, um, be the one to have every to, to 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 help everyone fulfill the obligation of Kiddush. So we see that tzaddik is in a whole different different category, and therefore Ezra Hasefer was also able to fix the Sefer Torah no problem. Um, hmm. Yeah. So now, here's the last thing we're going to say, and this is from the Rebbe. And this is. Um, the, I, I, the lesson from this is, is very, very special. So what does it say at the end? It says, that, that uh, Moshe went into the cloud. Right? There was a cloud around Harsinai. Mm-hmm. Came down to Harsinai and Moshe went in the cloud. So Rashi says that when it says cloud this time, it means, he says, that his words are, Anan kimin that this cloud was like smoke. Mm-hmm. It wasn't exactly a regular cloud, it was like smoke. Mm-hmm. And that Hashem made a shvil, He made a pathway for Moshe within this smoke. So, what's the explanation for this Rashi? Rashi well, Rashi's cloud, question the was... The cloud is usually mist, it's water. Exactly. So, so he's saying that this cloud looked different. Now, why did Rashi have to say this? Why did Rashi have to come and say it wasn't a regular cloud? Mm-hmm. It's very simple. Because the Pasuk already said that there was a cloud that came down on the mountain. Mm-hmm. So saying that Moshe went into the cloud is extra because it already says he went on the mountain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If he went on the mountain, then he went in the cloud. Right, right. So this has to be a different type of cloud. Mm-hmm. It has to be a cloud that is like smoke. But now the problem is for Moshe Rabbeinu, to go, into, to go smoke. into smoke is the opposite of honor. It's, it's, it's dirty. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So Hashem made a special path where, like, you know, almost like a, like a hallway where he can mm-hmm. go through where he wouldn't be touched and affected by the smoke. Mm-hmm. Aha. Now, what does this teach us practically? A person can say, I do not want to involve myself in this world. I'm going to be a parish. I'm going to be a hermit. I'm going to dis- disconnect myself from this world, not deal with anything. So what does the Torah say? You can go. You could Moshe, that. Moshe. No, it doesn't. No, no. Sorry. You, you, you should be in this world. You should deal with the physical and uplift it to godliness. What about being scared that you're going to be affected by the world? It's a scary world out there. It's a dirty, nasty, dark world that we were just speaking before the show. Right. Part, right? part of the game. Part of, you got to take the good with the bad. Right? So the answer is that just like Moshe Rabbeinu, what happened? Moshe Rabbeinu went in and Hashem made a shvil. And we all have a Bechinas Moshe, a, 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 a little mini Moses, little Moshe inside of us, which is our, 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 a part of us that can never be touched. And when we go with that type of Muna, with that faith that Hashem is always with us, Hashem will make that hallway for us that we won't be touched mm-hmm. by, the, by the smoke. Right? We won't be faithful. We'll always remain clean. 
And, and then you'll see that really, Rashi doesn't say it was smoke, it was like smoke. We know that all of the, the darkness of this world is only a facade, that behind everything is godliness. Because nothing in this world is not godliness, because nothing exists without God. So it's only a front, it's only a facade. So once we do that, it will go back from being kimin ashan, looking like smoke, because it was never really smoke, and it will actually be anan, a cloud. And what was the cloud? Cloud was Kedusha. Mm -hmm. the, 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 a cloud, smoke is not Kedusha, it's dirt. Mm -hmm. But it, it's not really smoke, it's really behind everything is anan, is a cloud, which is the opposite, is the glory of Hashem, is, the, is, 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 the, is holiness. And that's a lesson for us that we, as long as we go knowing that Hashem is with us and we go with the right intentions, Hashem is going to be there for us and we're going to transform this world into, this world into light and will not affect us. Uh, one question. Yes. When Hashem came down to speak to us and told us the first two uh, commandments, mm. now all of this is happening. Why did it have to be, um, you know, um, a thunder, clouds, Looks like it's you know, uh, you know, scary. Why did it have to be? Why couldn't it be you know, blue skies and birds chirping and beautiful, happy place where everybody's relaxed? Why did it have to be so intense? You know what I mean? Where it's bone chilling? Where we have to be so terrified? Mm. Why? Is that necessary? I, I assume you have an answer. Yes. Uh huh. Because Hashem demands uh, not just love, but fear. But also fear, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We need to fear Him, just like your parents. When you were growing up, I don't know about other families, but in the beginning, we had fear of my father. Yeah. And I don't mean fear like he's going to beat us up. And no, no, in the no. beginning, it probably was like that. You know, we do something something dumb, and my mom would be like, oh, your dad comes home, I'll let him know. <laughs> well, the way it works then, is when you, when you grow up, the more you grow, the more your intellect grows. At a certain, up until a certain age, you don't understand anything other than consequences. Mm -hmm. But uh, eventually the fear is going to also graduate and become more mature. And it's going to be... A, Instead of a fear of, oh, I'm going to get punished, it's going to be a fear of, I don't want to lose my connection to God. Mm -hmm. but, but it has to be, love and fear are considered the two wings. A, a, a bird with one wing cannot fly. 100%. You must have love and fear for, for God. I mean, if I just have love, okay, I can love this, I can love that. I have to, in order to really be connected to God, I have to understand the consequence of losing that connection with God. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So out of the immense, intense love that I have for God, understanding that if I do, if I veer away and I, and I do something that could, God forbid, you know, do something that can sever my connection with God. Really, deep down, there's nothing that can sever it, but on, you know, the outer levels of the neshama, again, this is a much bigger conversation, mm -hmm. but I have to under, I ha meaning, there's, there's a fear that comes out of love. Right. I love the, I love God so much, I'm afraid of losing the connection with Him, and I, I, I won't. You're afraid to disappoint Him. Afraid to disappoint Him? That's, well, yeah. And you're, you're afraid not to make Him happy. Like we said, the reason yeah. why as Jews we all agreed we'll do, only because it will make Hashem happy. Right. Not because we expect some sort of a reward or, or some sort of a payment, but yeah. just because it makes Him happy. Mm. And this is what makes us look all, as if we're imitating angels, because that's what angels do. They don't get paid, yeah. they don't have a salary, they don't get a pat on the shoulder, job good done, job well done. Why, the, why do they do it? Because they want to please Hashem. They want to please their maker. 
And the right. same thing with us. Not only do we have to love him, but we're supposed to be afraid to disappoint him or right. afraid not to make him uh, to, uh, to uh, make him upset. Mm-hmm. So it's a fear of disappointment. You don't want to disappoint the mm. people you love. So, so and, in, in Kabbalah and Hasidus, there, it, it talks about the different levels of fear. And the lowest level of fear is fear of punishment. Mm-hmm. So you're right. I mean, imagine, you know, someone like the Rambam. I'm mentioning the Rambam because there's a story that has to do with someone who asked to have his level of fear of God. But anyways, Moshe Rabbeinu, all the, their fear wasn't, oh my God, God is going to punish me. It was, it, was, it was this awe. It was like the, the feeling of the holiness was so much that, that, it's, that it's overwhelming. And it's not a picnic. It's, it's you know, it's, it's God's... Glory and splendor, which is uh... this is the reason why Hashem had to talk Moshe Rabbeinu into going into Egypt for a full week. Mm. What can you possibly argue about back and forth? It's a five-minute conversation. Go, no, go, no, go. <laughs> but I got a lisp. Oh, okay, go. Don't worry, I'll take care of it. Your brother will speak for you. Okay, go. No, I don't know about this. Overall, one-hour conversation. A whole week. What was he convincing him on? The reason for it. I believe it was in Zerah Shemshon. It says that he wasn't sure he could fulfill what Hashem wants from him. Mm. Because he didn't want to disappoint him. Imagine what that's like. Like God tells you you can do it and you're like, eh. I, I don't know. know. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I, I created lo- you. I'm I telling love, you what you could do. I would love for God to come and tell me, hey, you can do it. You know? <laughs> it's true that's a we, challenge But that's too. a thing. But that, that, that's a crazy thing because Torah tells us we can do it. If, if we have the responsibility, then we can do it, right? People like to say, with great power comes great responsibility, right? It's from the comic. With great responsibility comes great power. The moment I have the responsibility, it means that God gave me the power to do it. 100%. Zereshim Shon, I read that today. Ah. It says that a goy that wants to do all the mitzvot of a Jew, and a Jew that ha- is obligated to do all the mitzvot as a Jew, who gets a bigger reward? The guy, the person that is not obligated to do it, but he's doing it, or the person that has that was given uh, an order to do. Yeah. Who gets the, a bigger the reward? The was given the order. We would think rationally. Well, the volunteer, yeah. Yeah, the volunteer. But the reality is, we as Jews, we're, we're not volunteers. We have to do it. We don't have a choice in the matter. Uh-huh. And what does Zerashim Shon compare it to? It says that a person who already has a basket with bread is to go in an extra mile to speak to Hashem. It's the, it's the person who's not obligated. But a Jew is always a guy that's walking around with a basket with no bread. In order for him to get bread, he has to do what is he must. Mm. You understand? Interesting, very interesting, very interesting. So in order for him to feed himself, he needs to do what he was ordered to do. So it's our obligation. And for therefore, in order for us to fulfill our obligation, we get the highest mitzvah ever. It says, Greater is the one who's commanded and does... Also, I mean, who wants to be told what to do? Right? <laughs> if I go, oh, I'm doing it, right? The second you're told to do something, eh, I'll do it if I want to do it. So in a way, someone who can take that, that, take that, what you take will. that, or, yeah, you, you, you could take that, or take that and accept the yoke of Hashem, accept Hashem's authority and say, I'm going to do this because Hashem told me to, that, that, that's, that's, that's much more, that's, that's really greatness. That's putting yourself aside. It's not, I'm coming and I'm doing this because I feel like it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter how I feel. Doing it for God, because he told me to. Anyways, guys, this was a jam-packed 
Parsons Show, thank you for being here. If you made it till the end, you are an absolute legend. That you are. Believe it. And uh, hopefully next time we'll have a little more information for you. <laughs> more than this. <laughs> uh, thank you very much. Please subscribe. It's free. Smash that uh, like button. That's also and, free. And uh, uh, definitely recommend it to your friends. We will see you next week. And good Shabbos. Good Shabbos. You want to add something? You want to do a somersault or something? Somersault? <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. Go for it. Go for it. <laughs> Here, you have to see what I'm doing. Oh, yeah. Somersault time. Oof. Come on, come on, come on. All right. <laughs> All right, guys. Chavez.